the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Let's talk money. Let's talk investing. Let's talk technology, economy, retirement, insurance, investments, cost of children. Everything in my life is tied towards money in one shape or the other. There's a lot of news this morning. Not surprisingly, the presidential debate is the lead point of conversation. Um, I'm not a political pundit. I don't want to turn the show into that. You have your opinions, and I, I respect that. We didn't learn a lot last night as far as potential policy. I can leave it probably at that. I could say that we probably learned that there's going to be a lot of drama in the next four to six weeks, maybe a couple of weeks after that as well. In large part, um, we may not have an election result the way it's being set up. Disney's laying off 28,000 employees. The airline industry can announce 30,000 employees cut tomorrow. You're seeing big energy companies make cuts to their staff, chemical companies as well. These aren't small. These are material. In the world of good news, Regeneron Pharmaceuticals, ticker symbol REGN, they shared some of their promising trial results for its COVID-19 treatment. I've got a funny Regeneron pharmaceutical story. 20 years ago, I was dating a young lass. I think she's actually even Irish to make it even more of a lassie. A young lassie? And she worked at Regeneron Pharmaceuticals, and part of her job was to, uh, they were doing a study on trying to soften our arteries. As we get older, our arteries become more brittle. They get clogged, they snap, they break, heart attack, aneurysm, something along those lines, right? And her job was to take care of the monkeys. I know you're saying, you dated a person who took care of biotech monkeys? I'm like, yes, yes. Uh, Reese monkeys, in fact. So I got to learn all about Reese monkeys and how they're used in uh, animal testing on biotech stocks, newest pharmaceuticals. It's not pretty work. She did it with a lot of dignity. There's a lot of love there. But we go through these processes so that we can try to advance our medicine. Regeneron Pharmaceuticals is sharing some promising trial results for its COVID-19 treatment, not vaccine treatment. That's a positive. 
Yesterday, the city of San Francisco said, we're going to lighten our code and we're going to allow some restaurants and museums to reopen because only five out of every thousand people have been exposed or something. I don't know the data, but they've moved into a, a feeling of a little bit more safety. So they're starting to open up the economy a little bit more. So that and Regeneron, I'm like, that's good news. That's good news. And then Disney drops bad news on us. Micron topped earnings expectations. They should have. We sold a lot more computers in the last 90 days as kids went back to school and people said, I'm going to work from home forever and therefore I need a better rig. And when I'm talking rigs, I'm not talking trucks. I'm talking computer rigs, right? Micron topped expectations, but they did have some relatively disappointing guidance telling me that we can't count on tech and Best Buy to always have unlimited demand. Sherwin-Williams raised its third quarter revenue outlook and issued better than expected 2020 guidance. Sherwin-Williams, my boys have moved from little toddlers to almost preteen, right? And as that happened, I, I ha I'm like, you're gonna be in your room a lot more doing your homework. You're gonna be in your room a lot more doing your uh, studying. You're gonna be in your room a lot more. Like, we're no longer everyone in the living room at eight o'clock family. We are now, we need our own little workstations all day long. So guess what I did last weekend and this weekend? I'm painting rooms. And I went to Sherwin-Williams. So Sherwin-Williams is saying, they got a good revenue outlook and they expect 2020, the rest of the guidance to go well. Okay. Okay. I'm with it. I'm, I'm picking up what the economy is putting down. The ADP employment change for September was up 749,000 stronger than expected. So there's a lot of good news today. Sherwin Williams, Regeneron pharmaceuticals, ADP employment change. And then you get some mixed news out of Micron and some bad news out of Disney. Disney wouldn't be laying off 28,000 Cinderella's if they had demand at their parks. I know you're saying they're not all playing the part of Cinderella. In my head, they are. I remember the good old days pre-COVID where we would do stories on what it's like to be a Disney princess. Another person I dated 20 plus years ago worked at a Disney park, but she said she was too big to be a Disney princess. And she wasn't that big. It was just someone told her, we need to decide dress size four and she was maybe a six. I don't know. I don't know dress sizes, but you give the idea. Isn't it funny? Like the people we've all dated in the jobs that they've all had. One of my very first girlfriends ever in life worked at Wendy's and uh, her boss hated her. So she made her go in bathrooms and clean bathrooms after customers would do horrible, 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 unspeakable things in bathrooms. And my job was to comfort her after she had to clean up horrible, horrible things. Please, ladies and gentlemen, don't do horrible things in Wendy's bathrooms. Um, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin. They're not bowing their Mnuchin. They're still negotiating over a possible stimulus plan. And there's a glint of hope that a deal could be worked out before Congress goes on recess. We need it. I'm going to be honest with you. The economy feels like it's it's starting to break again. Uh, we're starting to talk about what Thanksgiving and Black Christmas Friday and Christmas is going to look like. 
I think we need another stimulus deal. And again, sorry, children, sorry, grandchildren. We're going to let you flip that bill or figure it out with higher inflation or something. We need, we need, we need Papa. Papa needs. Markets dealing with the understanding that today is the last day of the third quarter and the last day of a tough month. September sucked. September was awful. Goodbye, September. Did the Green Day do a song about September? But I think that was about war or something else. I don't know. That's my, one of my favorite phrases right now. I don't know. You, you decide. I always wanted to open up a restaurant that just had, I don't know, and a restaurant right next to it called You Decide. Because every time me and a, a sugar booger, a spouse, a loved one, say, where do I go to dinner? I go, I don't know. And she goes, you decide. <laughs> I think it would be a great name for a restaurant. I know you're saying that's not a great name for a restaurant. Financials are doing well today. Industrials, materials, and consumer discretionary. Stocks are trading mostly higher, final day of the quarter. Treasuries are under increased selling pressure. Boeing's a big winner winner chicken dinner today. What time do we got? Let me take a oh, time for a break. We'll take a break here. We'll be right back. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. So I'm Rob Black, talking to all things financial, money investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I do appreciate it. I know that there's hundreds of options out there. It's not lost on me. This is a show really dedicated to getting you to retirement. That's the number one goal. I'll leave it at that and say part of it's going to be you have to meet me halfway and start coming up with things that you believe in. I believe in capitalism. I talked with Patrick O'Hare. I'm about to replay his interview. Next segment. And he just did a big picture column that I went back and looked back at that basically highlighted what this market goes through and how it just continues to generate wealth. The problem there is we start thinking we're super smart and we're not. The market goes up seven out of 10 years. And let me promise you, it has made me a lot of wealth. I have made myself a lot of wealth by picking some stocks that were absolute winner, winner, chicken dinners. But it's not lost on me that in an up market, it's easier to do that than in a down market. The economy is telling us things aren't glorious. The debate last night is telling us there's no consensus. But the economy, that part of it is saying we need stimulus because what I'm seeing is, and again, not maybe not today, because the ADP, which is a payroll processing company. So when you go get a job, they go, okay, um, what's your name? What's your social security number? How many dependents do you have? You, you filled out that form, like the W-2 forms, right? So ADP comes out with a update every Wednesday. And they said, we added more jobs than expected. That's good news. But 
that's on the same day where Disney is leading companies in letting go of people. As I said earlier in the show, and I'll say it again, I think we've gone from economic COVID-1 to economic COVID-2, where we took a, and I got to be careful because I almost cursed, we took a, a big old negative hit March, April, May of 2020. Then we started adding some of those jobs back in June, July, August. Now at the end of September, and thank goodness September is leaving, you have been a very difficult month. Now we move the calendar to October, which is known as the month that a lot of drama happens on Wall Street. There'll be Black Fridays. There'll be you know massive sell-offs. There'll be computer corrections. There'll be something that happens in October because October's never it, it it's always eventful. So it, just know that. And again, I, I'm not predicting anything. I'm just telling you that October has a, a tradition of being dramatic. So we're dealing with economy part two, or recovery economy, and I, I think it's going to be a little bit more difficult than we want it to be. And as an investor, I, I think it's good that we kind of start to know that. Airlines are hours away from cutting 30,000 jobs without billions more in federal aid. Now, is it our government's job to give them aid? I don't know. That's up to you to decide. This is not a show that dictates to you how to feel about your health and politics. That's totally up to you. I can say that there's some pluses and minuses one of the greatest things I've ever learned from being involved in financial media is there are no right answers. There's just compromises. And I tell that to friends when they're having marital problems. I tell it to people when they're having stock market problems. I tell it to my children when they're having problems with their friends. There's no right answers. There's just compromises. If you don't want to be bullied, then you're going to have to put on some muscle. If you don't want to be bullied, then you're going to have to fight back. If you don't want to be bullied, then like, there's just no right answers. We don't live in a utopia. I studied utopian literature. I studied, I studied dystopian literature. We don't live in those worlds. We live in a world of compromises. Economically speaking, with the job cuts from Disney and the airlines, and then you even throw in a little bit of energy companies, big oil. I don't feel it's going to be a V-shaped recovery. And maybe our hopes and you know, the recovery part of the May, June, July, August. Maybe our hopes were that we were going to see something like a V-shaped re economic recovery. But then I go back to Newsom back in March when he said, we ain't going to be playing no sports in California uh, come Thanksgiving. It's going to take longer than that. So I'm like, okay, I think he was right. Whether he was right or wrong, it's just a compromise. We could have played sports, probably killed a couple more people. I don't get, I, I'm not playing it. I'm just telling you, the economy doesn't look great. Um, the NHL said they're not going to be in a bubble when they come back. They don't want to do that again. A bubble meaning two locations where families were kind of excluded and then lately let back in, trying to keep the number of people from exposing each other. So I don't necessarily feel that we are any further along in the economic recovery other than theoretically, we still need a vaccine. 
Regeneron Pharmaceuticals could say, we've got a great treatment. In case you get it, you're probably not going to go on a ventilator. But that's not a vaccine. Then we get into the science of vaccines of, doesn't Russia already have a vaccine? How many people are dying there? Or how many people are getting COVID? No information. Are they manufacturing it? No information. And I'm not going to go to Russia and check on it, but there's been no information, right? So we're dealing with what we're dealing with in the U.S. And economically speaking, Disney's saying people aren't coming back, so we're going to let go 28,000 people. They're not doing that because they want to hire them back and train them again. They're not doing that because they want to make life difficult. They're not doing that to save like their bottom line dollar. They're doing it because there's no, no demand at the theme parks. Maybe now would be the time for me to go to Disney. I've never been to Disney. Isn't that the weirdest confession you've ever heard from me? I've given you a lot of confessions. My first marriage lasted under a year. But how about I've never been to Disney, either to land or world? Now's my time. No. I'm too much of a chicken, as I said earlier at the show. Anyhow, stay on top of your finances right here, right now. Check out newfocusfinancial.com. I'm Rob Black talking to all things financial. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking to all things financial money, investing, and more. Democrats are seeing a fundraising boom following the wild debate between Trump and Biden last night. Democratic fundraising website known as Act Blue processed close to $8 million between 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock last night, East Coast time, shortly after the debate. Very, very dramatic. Um, let's bring in Patrick O'Hare, briefing.com. Mr. O'Hare, Wall Street is supposed to be boring. It's supposed to be numerical. It's math-driven. And yet it's getting a little bit of the drama feel to it these days with job cuts and presidential elections. Uh, what are you covering at briefing.com on your page one? What's your, your prevailing thought today? Hey, good morning, Rob. Um, well, the prevailing thought is that I'm, I'm trying to basically stay away from the debate and looking at really yeah. – uh, just the market reaction, right? Obviously, there's plenty of um, views as to what we all witnessed last night. But for our purposes, obviously, we're only concerned really with one view, and it's what's going on uh, with the market and what that might convey about um, what transpired last night. And and frankly, you know, in the page one commentary, is it's written before the open and, and before the market open. The futures market was kind of leaning in somewhat of a flat direction in terms of the, the signaling. And I think that what that ultimately suggested was that, you know, market participants uh, didn't really walk away from last night uh, thinking that it, it knew anything differently, that it, that it didn't think already about this whole election process, right? Um you know, the market knows it's going to be a nasty fight. You know, it knows what the polls are suggesting right now, but it also know, knows or, or recollects the, the experience of 2016 uh, when the polling information, you know, wasn't necessarily gospel. Um, and it also, I think, is, is cognizant that, you know, an outcome on election night might not be possible. So uh, really, I think that that relatively flattish indication just kind of suggested that the market kind of wanted to do its best to forget what it saw last night. 
uh, and would continue to focus just on the understanding that there's a heightened sense of uncertainty here right now that's going to continue to probably lead to some um, you know, choppy trading behavior where you get a nice move one day and a, a bad move the next and so on and so forth. So where do we go at this point in time? Because I, I looked at my opening commentary today and I saw energy's down 40 plus percent for the year. Do we look for energy as a sector of value or do we stay on the sidelines and wait till we get a little clearer picture on travel and leisure? Because Disney's saying things aren't looking great. Uh, they're cutting jobs. Um, it's tough for me to, to be definitive at this point in time and, and point people to go play in that playground. Uh, retail doesn't seem right. Tech seems overbought. Energy seems like uh, you're buying a loser. And I hate buying losers, but that seems to be where the value is. And then I can get into Mnuchin and start talking about chemicals and other things. But do you see anything working right now that you, you feel positive about? Or do you see anything getting worse that you tell, want to tell people to stay away from? Yeah, so so you, kind of, you hit the nail on the head, Rob. I mean, there's just kind of like have this – I mean, there's always uncertainty, but there's just a heightened level of uncertainty right now. And I think what we uh, can do is get so locked in what's uh, in, in the very near-term picture that we, for you know, we we lose perspective on on really what the end game is, right? And in investing, it's it's staying in the game, so to speak, right? Okay. And um, you know, you, you kind of have to parse that question in terms of you know what someone's uh, immediate need, you know, what are they actually trying to achieve here? Are they trying to get a 10% return in the next three months? Or are they trying to get a 7% return over the next three to five plus years, right? Or even further than that. Um, you know, I'd call your listeners attention to the big picture column I posted on Friday, which, you know, took a look really at the long-term performance of the stock market. And there's just simply no denying uh, that it's a wealth-generating machine for people who have the ability to stand the test of time and ride out all of the volatility within the stock market, whether we're talking about volatility related to world wars, depressions, financial crises, um, you know, political uh, nonsense. Um, at the end of the day, you know, the stock market has continued to deliver uh, a very favorable return for those patient-minded investors. So, Someone who does not have that truly long-term outlook right now, I think, is going to struggle. And, and frankly, as a market you know, a pundit, I struggle to tell them kind of where to go in the near term here because you're going to – I think where we go is sideways within a wide range right now, uh, certainly up until the election. Because um, a lot riding on the outcome of that election from both a political and economic and, uh, and social standpoint, really. Uh, and one can expect to see a lot of volatility. So you're going to see these days where – you know, things are looking great one day and not so great the next. Um, and then I just add, you know, one other point, though, is if you look at just today's action, I think you kind of get a little bit of a, a sense that, you know, what what could do well if you get the vaccine and maybe even if you get some type of stimulus plan, right? We're seeing the cyclical sectors outperform this morning, uh, that being the industrials, the materials, consumer discretionary, um, you know, areas like that and even energy. Right, uh, which is so beaten up that if you have that truly long-term mindset, uh, then perhaps that's an area where you do reallocate, um, uh, or those areas you reallocate to, in anticipation of a better economic recovery and better earnings growth uh, over the next uh, several months. 
interesting times. Um, I don't know where to take this at this point in time because I feel <laughs> that's what I'm feeling personally of the markets. Uh, the layoffs that are coming, we saw Disney, we saw Dow, we saw Royal Dutch. We saw the airlines saying that they're going to probably cut 30,000 jobs tomorrow. Um, are, are we done with the recovery post or COVID economic recovery part one? Are we moving to part two where we're going to, uh, we lose jobs, we gain jobs, then we lose jobs again. Are we in for a tighter period? Is that what the economists at briefing.com are saying? Or what's the projection in your, your mindset of economically speaking? Are we double dipping? Are we doing a K or a V? Mm-hmm. We're looking for answers right now. If you have them, Mr. Ware. <laughs> Yeah, um, you know, I, I think, you know, what, what that reminds us all today is that, um, you know, the recovery coming off of such a depressed base, you know, initially looks pretty, pretty easy and pretty strong, right? Um, but as, as good as some of the economic data even today has been, um, you're still got a ways to go in a number of respects to get to where we were before, you know, the pandemic hit. Um, you know, and I think that, um, you know, when you hear layoffs at Disney and the airlines possibly and other companies like Royal Dutch Shell, um, probably serve as reminders that, that the, um, I guess, that the easy part of this recovery period has, has passed uh, and that the hard work is going to begin because uh, I think you're probably in a situation where you see more permanent job losses than one would have expected entering the year. And, uh, and that it's going to, you know, the companies have basically uh, figured out ways to cut costs to survive a period like this and try and probably continue to run as leanly and as efficiently as possible in an uh, era or in a world where you might have a vaccine and things start to recover more fully. But, you know, but the uptake on that vaccine may not happen so quickly. Uh, and so, um, so the, you know, the recovery road ahead uh, it's probably going to be a lot slower than what we've seen here over the last few months when uh, when there's, you know, it was totally reasonable and logical to think that you might see a pretty strong snapback from the uh, depressive conditions that, you know, hit initially uh, during the second quarter um, due to the shutdown measures. Sounds good. Is there anything that you're working on right now for the upcoming week? Uh, the big picture column that you do on Fridays, you do the... the page one every day. That's how I start my day. It's a great, concise recap of yesterday and thoughts on today's actions. But on Fridays, you do a big picture that kind of like you said this last Friday, you talked about the wealth generating effect of Wall Street and how it's worked through so many different market conditions and market variables. Anything that you're working on now that might give us a clue on what we should be looking into? Well, one area I'm going to take, like back in April, I, I put up a piece that talked about uh, how a lagging indicator could put, pack some voting punch. And that lagging indicator was the unemployment rate. And obviously, we're going to get the employment report on Friday for September, but um, likely going to go down this road of kind of looking at what the trends are uh, in in terms of employment in, in those uh, swing states, Arizona, North Carolina, Florida, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. Because really, you know, when it comes down to voting, I think uh, if voters' economic interests typically follow them into the voting booth. And if those are the swing states, then we want to look at kind of what's going on with their employment levels and how that could ultimately dictate the outcome of this election, which, uh, as we alluded to earlier, could have some uh, obviously some economic and uh, implications as well as some stock market implications um, 
you know, as we move into 2021. Thank you for being with us, Mr. O'Hare. Sorry, I wasn't very concise today. I'm just feeling kind of confused with the markets these days, and uh, you're, you're putting a good spin and good understanding on it for me. I appreciate it. Sure thing, Rob. Thank you. Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com, a great and reliable source of U.S., domestic, and international market news. They cover everything, economy, strategy, IPOs, hot sectors, trading ideas, and much, much more. Give it a look. Um, I've been using them for a year, and I have nothing but positive things to say for 20-plus years. And that's pretty impressive as far as data sources go. To say you've been loyal that long, they do a really nice job. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me online at Rob Black Show and NewFocusFinancial.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. So I'm getting a little bit sad because I'm looking at the next few months. The NHL just wrapped up the Stanley Cup finals. And they're probably not going to start back up until January. Okay. They typically start in October. And I look at the calendar right now and I'm like, they're supposed to be starting now. The NBA is going to wrap up probably the next 10 days or so. And it looks like LeBron James is going to have another championship, which, hey, that's not bad news if you're Nike. Um, Champions earn their money, so to speak. But then I'm going to be sad because that's going to go away for a few months as well. Baseball should wrap up sooner than later, although they just started their playoffs. I watched yesterday some of the games just to kill time, to not do Netflix, to not pay attention to CNBC, to not pay attention to politics. But that too is going to end. And that's probably not coming back till April. They typically start in March, but I'm thinking everything just gets delayed. I'm like, what are we going to watch as a nation? Well, you can always watch the stock market. Um, Google's going to be entertaining as all heck. It may just be a matter of days before the United States Justice Department, the government of the United States, sues Google. The Justice Department is expected to allege that the Mountain View company, uh, the search engine provider, the verb Google, you Googled me. It's an action verb, right? Uh, that they broke the law by using its power to damage smaller companies. When the suit will be filed, we don't know exactly, but it's going to be a big dust-up between the United States government and one of the country's own corporations. We're suing our own. We're fighting our own. We're not going, oh, Alibaba, you're bad. We don't like you because you're Chinese-based, or TikTok because you're based in, you got some Chinese... uh, fingerprints all over you. We don't like you. We're not doing that. We're going against one of our own. And this will be the biggest Justice Department case brought against one of our own since Bill Clinton's administration went after Microsoft back in 1998. Justice Department's case is focused on Google's dominance in search. Google.com is the biggest search engine in the world. I strangely enough use Bing. I don't know what's wrong with me. On occasion, I'll use Google. But more often than not, I use Bing. And I don't know if that's just inherently me going with a smaller guy, the underdog. But this is going to happen. 
the government's going to say and try to prove that the company used legal methods to win that position of largest search company and then to hold it. Some details got out last week that the investigation is Google's uh, search distribution agreements. These are opaque deals, essentially, that Google strikes with other companies to make sure its search engine and its ads it serves up get in front of plenty of eyeballs. The best known deals of all of these is Google's is the default search engine on Apple's Safari mobile uh, browser. So when you use an Apple product, you get defaulted to Google. Ultimately, that means, and in the past, I've said things like, well, maybe one day could do their own search and all the money that Google's getting from it, they can go, they can replicate that. They don't need to. Apple's got hardware to sell, but Google is able to automatically reach and serve ads to millions of valuable iPhone users. Google pays Apple $8 billion a year for that privilege. Now, that's not the only agreement that Google has out there that's very exclusive and one-on with Apple. They also have a deal with Mozilla's Firefox, as well as Samsung, who makes phones. You could start seeing that they're pretty dominant what they do. I had a friend who worked for Yahoo many, many years ago. And I know that's a funny thought, because you don't think of Yahoo as an employer anymore, do you? I don't. But... And this is the show's gonna get a little PG 13 here. Zooby, zooby, zoo. Play a little French music, right? Um, he came up with a search engine to search for scantily clad people. <laughs> no? The sexiest country in the world. In Europe, speaking of France, regulators have already tried to solve part of this problem by forcing Google to offer users multiple search engine choices when they first boot up a new phone. So when you use the Android operating system, Europe is saying, okay, first things first, put in your name. Second thing, put in your phone number. Third thing, which search engine you want to use? It doesn't have to be just Google. Yesterday, Google said that Microsoft's Bing would be prominently featured. There's a search engine called DuckDuckGo. They've argued that the new system doesn't work because competitors must pay Google in order to show up as one of the choices. So Europe hasn't solved this problem yet either. But it's a, I don't want to say it's a problem, but it's an issue that's going to get government scrutiny. Will Google be allowed to make deals in the future? Will they be able to strike exclusives? Will Google no longer have to pay browsers and phone makers to be the default search engine? Will that save Google billions of dollars? Will it hurt Apple? I just told you, Apple gets $8 billion a year to be the default search engine. It's tough to see how Google loses in this scenario because they're either going to save a lot of money from paying for the default or they're going to continue to be in the default. And one could almost argue that things are changing ever so slightly, that search isn't as important especially since Apple has a new feature in their operating system, which they said they're going to turn on with the new release of the software, but then they delayed it because they didn't want to destroy Facebook or perceive to be destroying Facebook that stops apps from following you, from stops apps from collecting data on you. It's a bit of a mess, but I don't see Google losing in this one. The headlines will look like they do. I'm just 
trying to tell you, I'm in the business of telling you the future, not, not playing by headline news. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, more. Find me online at robblackshow.com.